You can't really be in Cork and not interacting and engaging with the river in some way, shape, or form. It's our biggest natural amenity that we have here, and it's it's a real treasure. It's really special. It's underutilized. Cork is the Lee explores the role of the river in the life of the city and county. Each episode considers a different theme taking us on a journey along the river and through Cork's social, cultural and natural heritage. The River Lee and its tributaries are a rich habitat for wildlife and biodiversity running across County Cork and through the city. At each stage of the river, varieties of flora and fauna can be found on the banks and in the water. This is most obvious on upper stretches of the river, where there is an abundance of natural beauty. But even within the urban area, the Lee is a haven for birds and fish, including salmon and mullet, as well as otters, seals and the occasional dolphin. Not to mind the millions of microorganisms we can't see. This episode encourages us to re-appreciate the natural heritage of the River Lee as a source of life that flows from the western edges of the county, through the heart of the city and out to the harbour. W.B. Daniels wrote in 1807 that the river produces excellent fish, particularly trout and salmon. The latter are always in season. The former are very large and afford the angler much diversion. In the neighbourhood of Cork are several smaller rivers abounding with fish. John Armstrong, of the Cork Nature Network, talks about the importance of the river and wildlife and how the Lee is an incredibly rich source of biodiversity and natural beauty. Yeah, rivers are alive. They are, most people think of rivers and we have a terrible tendency to do so now as drains, as a place to dredge, to throw all our stuff. Just kind of, it leaks out to the, to the seas and we don't think about it. It's more than just that. It's, it is like the wildlife, the animals, all that. And you find a lot in cities. Mm-hmm. People don't see it because they don't look. That's okay. really the main thing about it. Like if you look through cities, like in Cork, for example, we have um, plenty of otters. Like mm. there are lots and lots of otters in Cork City, which is wonderful. We're one of three places in the world that have urban otters. Okay. So the other two are Singapore and Cape Town in South Africa. Mm. It's quite rare that we have them here, which is wonderful. They think they're here because otters love islands. Okay. So um, Cork City is a city of islands, so they're just a fantastic amount of habitat for them. The other thing we have to change as well is when people see a river in a city and they see um, it walled and like, oh, that's a beautiful river. And then if you go slightly outside the river, you'll see it's kind of overgrown and kind of full of what people will call weeds, but mm-hmm. there's no such thing as weeds. They're all just plants used by everything. Like, So then those are rivers that are alive, that have something that there's space in them if you ever go through let's say Fitzgerald's Park we have kind of all of the overgrown in one oh, part yeah. mm-hmm. that river has a lot of animals in it up that far 
the further you go down, the more you culvert, the more you kind of dredge and kind of make it kind of looking pretty. Mm-hmm. That's not what wildlife likes. Okay. Messy is good. Lewis's Topographical Dictionary of Ireland, published in 1837, gives a description of the rich naturescape found on Loch Alua, lying between Balangiri and Inchigila. Loch Lua, which is five miles in length and about half a mile in breadth, and in many parts expanding into bays of great extent and beauty. It abounds with the char and fish of many other kinds. The banks on both sides are precipitous and richly wooded. The Gira, near Macroom, is a rare natural space, one of the few submerged glacial woodlands in Europe. Dermot Crowley, whose Masters in Geography explored the management of the area as a nature reserve, explains its unique qualities. Gira is, is down near Macroom, Richard. It's around 40 minutes from the city centre. It's an alluvial oak forest, is one way of describing it. Another way of describing it is, is a kind of inland river delta, really, is what it is. What happens is the the lead comes down from the from the Shetty Mountains and Gugambara and around there and breaks up into dozens of little channels between wooded islands. And so the wooded part of it I suppose is the size of the low the low lying part of the city centre. And it's also in a very important wetlands and I suppose really there's there's a load of different gears in a way because very limited access to the forested parts. But there's public walkways then where you can where you can see at low water level you can see the remains of the forest, two thirds to three quarters of which was cut down in the nineteen fifties when the ESB were building the dams for the hydroelectrification of the river. It's a nature reserve since nineteen eighty seven, largely thanks to the to the work of McCroom Environmental Group at that time. Really, it's it, it's quite a unique place in that it, there's nowhere else like it in, in Western Europe, west of the Rhine. So it's a unique kind of habitat in that respect. And I suppose when we set out to protect environments like that, what we should be doing really is celebrating the kind of diversity really of those environments. Forests that, that covers the islands of the Gaira. A lot of people would look at that as our kind of native, our, our, our native kind of natural land cover up until the 16th, 17th century. So uh, a fantastic version of a kind of native woodland uh, as much as anything else. It's a, it's a mysterious place in the way, Richard. It's, it's, very few people know about it. People know about some of the public walkways around it. The forest itself is kind of an unknown quantity. It's, in, in that respect, I think what it lacks is constituents, you know, I suppose because there's no public access for very good reason to the forested parts, it's left to its own devices. That's the version of protection that it has. Yeah, for somebody who's got out to it, I suppose, what type of species and what type of wildlife, what do you find when you actually get to the Gera proper? Oh, it's a, it's a stunning woodland. So is that, you think you think you were, you wouldn't think you were in 2019 at all. You'd think you were all these small islands. The islands vary from maybe 100 metres long to 500 metres long. And they could be a few paces wide or they they could be, you know, 100, a few hundred metres wide. So it's, you're going in and out of these watery channels with varying water levels. The main woodland there would be oak and ash and hazel and some birch. When you get there in terms of its diversity, it'd be important to note that it hasn't been studied all that much, but the, 
when I was doing my research in the Gary, there would have been a lot of calls, quite reasonable calls, to have to at least have the uh, the institutional stakeholders there look at lowering the water levels in the dam to allow the forest to to regenerate downstream, to to allow a more a richer forest regenerate downstream. Students of St. Michael's Church of Ireland Primary School, Blackrock, carried out research about different types of river wildlife. They sat down to share their findings for the podcast. Uh, salmon hatch in freshwater. They migrate uh, to the ocean, then return to freshwater. Although populations of several species are restricted to, fish, to freshwater through their lives. <laughs> the grey mullet is found in coastal, tropical and subtropical places. It usually schools over mud or sand bottoms. They are part of the mullet family. Trout live in freshwater rivers, lakes. There, There is a fish called steelhead, steelhead that is also known as a rainbow trout. It, it was a shiny body with rainbow colours all over. Um, so the three most popular birds that live on the lee are herons, uh, mallard ducks and... Um, Kingfishers. Herons spend around 90% of their waking hours stopping for food, and many of the world's kingfishers don't actually eat fish. And where did you find out about um, the fish and the birds on the lake? I just looked it up. Jill Wayman, a UCC doctoral researcher who works in Photo Wildlife Park, outlines a citizen science project she completed on otters, displaying how connections with wildlife can help us appreciate rivers in new and vivid ways. They do care, a lot of people do care, but often they don't connect the importance of species, such as often they'll see a river as a threat because of the flooding and things like that. But then with the otter, it's a cute little insect, and sometimes it's the connectivity connecting it all together as the sort of life cycles of species that is quite important. The Cork Folklore Project does excellent work in cataloguing oral histories of Cork and providing significant insight into vernacular heritage. In this interview clip, Patricia McCarthy, talking with Clina O'Carroll, explains about the fishermen and their families who worked out of the city quays in her youth. Mm. And of course we had the fishermen there then in the quay. I, I mean, they used to put their boats there and their uh, nets. You know, we and had how, how many around would there have been? Well, they mostly the fishermen were made, were in families. Like they go back the generations. They were mostly families. Even to this yeah. day, you know, they 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 fish down outside Black Rock, the Quillins. They fish on Black Rock area. That's mm. their fishing rights. Mm. So that's going back generations. And the men that you remember being out here, mm. um, where would they have lived? Oh, they'd have lived in Withrings Hill or mm. Cabbages Lanes. They'd have lived on the lanes around. And they actually just had their little boats there and the nets then would be thrown over the key wall. In other pieces from the Cork Folklore Project collection, Daniel Tanner, interviewed by Kieran Murphy and Tom Spaulding, make reference to the rich naturescape that can be found in the Lee. I had many nice experiences walking in the morning, um, like big public experiences for everyone, like a seal with a huge salmon in its mouth, you know, and everyone was looking at it. I saw 
Herons catching fish, cormorants catching fish, I saw a baby seal on the steps. I saw an otter with a fish. This is the same relationship I have to the river now and that I just like walking along it and looking in it. It's huge, it's hugely important for a lot of people. The, the pleasure of walking through um, Fitzgerald's Park. I saw an otter directly below the Shaky Bridge hunting and I've seen seals there too and I've seen Obviously, I've seen herons and I've seen, you know, water birds there as well. And that's just an amazing thing in the second city of the country to see otters, more or less in the middle of town, and seals. You know, that is just such a great privilege for us. Mm -hmm. We can all enjoy that. There's no entry fee. You just go down the river and you'll see coots and moorhens and, you know, ducks and geese, otters and, you know, it's fantastic. These variety of animals, fish and birds, indicate a healthy river that brings distinct forms of life into the very centre of the city. Local activist Chris Moody, who is working to preserve the River Bride, which flows through Blackpool, explains the healthy state of this urban watercourse, much of which has already been culverted or hidden by recent developments. The river is pretty healthy, you know, there's freshwater shrimp. There is, uh, there's definitely artists up and down the river all the time. I filmed them right through from the North Point Business Park down to uh, down to Blackpool Village. You know, it's a healthy habitat. We have uh, dippers regularly seen on the river. They're a good bioindicator, as some would tell you. Initially, anybody who looks at the river, and I'm sure the OPW did this as well, and the, and the engineers, is the amount of rubbish. You know, it can it can overtake everything else uh, when you look at it. You know, you, you see that, and that's all you see. But if you spend a bit of time wading up and down the river, you soon start to... Uh, Ignore that. You start to see past that. You start to see the other things. Like you see the birds. You see the. You certainly. The, you wouldn't. You'd be very lucky to see an otter during the day in Blackpool, but you'll see the signs they leave. They leave a. They call it spring. Poo for a better word. Pollution and dumping are constant threats to our rivers, with neglect and harmful activities damaging habitats and the health of the community. Councillor Lorna Bogue outlines common issues of pollution that damage Irish water systems. I find quite a lot of the time when you're trying to follow up on issues of pollution, it's very difficult to try and find who is ultimately responsible for pollutants that go into rivers because obviously the rivers and bodies of water they're not static so you could have a waste treatment plant on one side of the harbour but because of the tide because of the flow of the river that pollution ends up somewhere else usually mm -hmm. in a cove or an inlet these quite often are environmental sacrificial zones especially with our coastline as well and all the rubbish that ends up on it in terms of trying to change that relationship it's important that in our cities particularly that we start to look after our waterways and start to have that connection with them as well because generally the cities are where the decision makers are and if they don't have that connection with with bodies of water then we don't really have any hope and they do become just dumping grounds. Nonetheless, positive interventions and environmentally friendly practices can ensure a healthy water river system for wildlife and humans alike. John Armstrong of the Cork Nature Network presents a hopeful point by outlining how different species can live and thrive in cities if we allow it. People think of cities as kind of away from nature. as like you have a city and then you have nature. Yeah. But it's not. They are intermingled because they have to be. Mm -hmm. And animals will find a way to live 
around us if we give them space. Mm-hmm. Um, These different perspectives have presented an insight into the range of wildlife and natural beauty that is found on the Lee and its tributaries. However, it has also highlighted how human activity has destroyed much of this heritage and risks the loss of more species and habitats. With positive interventions and decision-making that values nature, we can help foster a river that is brimming with life, bringing multiple benefits to the area from the well-being of experiencing the natural world to tourists recognising Cork's rich, natural and cultural heritage. Cork is the Lee is co-created by myself, Richard Scriven, probably the only Doctor of Geography you know, with funding from Cork City Council's Local Heritage Grant 2019. It includes original music and recordings by Claire Layton, field recordings made and edited by Vicky Langan, independent artist, narration assistance by Ruth Harrington and Ashling White, and production assistance from Joe Kiley. Thanks to all those who were involved and made the podcast possible, including Councillor Kieran McCarthy, Dr Sarah Thalen and Joya Kuhn, whose voices you hear in the introduction to this episode, and Maya Thomas for the branding and cover design. Cork is the Lee is a component of the Literal Space podcast. For more information, check out Twitter at Literal Space or Instagram at Literal Spaces. This podcast is shared under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International Licence, which means you can remix, tweak and build upon this work for non-commercial purposes as long as you credit us and license your new creations under the same terms. Except for the recordings from the Cork Folklore Project, who retain the copyright for those materials.